Welcome to Podcast of Horror 2. This is our final episode for this run of Podcast of Horror. I am Matt, and joining me, as they have throughout this entire run this October, is my, or are, my co-host Derek. Hello, everybody. And Dave. How's it going? And with our last episode of the season, this is a free pick. We could pick anything that we wanted. No themes. The only restriction is is that it couldn't be something we've covered before. So to start things off with, I have Terror at five and a half feet. And this was from season five of The Simpsons. It was the fifth episode of the season. And Treehouse of Horror 4, first airing on October 28th, 1992. And it's a parody of the Twilight Zone episode Nightmare at 20,000 Feet that originally had... William Shatner as a star, then was done again for the movie with John Lithgow. And I did make the notes of the opening of this. I think we actually covered the opening of this in our first season, but I wanted to mention it again because there was a, a specific reference in here that I had to close out our season with. And it starts with the Springfield Cemetery, and we see some tombstones. We see Elvis with the sub phrase, accept it, a tombstone for a balanced budget. <laughs> Subtle political satire, TV violence, which gets shot up with a machine gun and starts to bleed. And then we have the Simpsons family of zombies breaking through the floor and climbing onto the couch. Then we go into the show, and this is really, really early Triassa Horror. So we have kind of a through line to this. And in this case, it's Bart taking us through a gallery of just horrific portraits of horrific tales. Yada, yada, yada. Marge comes in and says, Bart, you should warn people this episode is very frightening. And maybe they'd rather listen to that old War of the Worlds broadcast on NPR. Hmm? And of Man, course, I was, so, I was so happy for you when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this post, our annual War of the Worlds week will have just concluded yesterday. So, yeah, I was like, okay, this has to be a mention as we close out this season of this show and of our Halloween celebration. So, yes. Okay, good. I'm glad, <laughs> glad you guys noticed that, too. Yeah, it is interesting watching those early seasons when they, they felt this need to have a whole sort of hosted uh, through line between all the stories and stuff like that. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun in the early years, like the nightmares where they all ate candy and each had a nightmare. Right. That was kind of neat. And yeah. try, and uh, the whole telling ghost stories in the treehouse, which is where the mm. name comes from, that was neat. I, I think I could see how this would run out of steam, though. Especially yeah. by thirty. Plus, they want to leave more room for the actual stories. True, right. that's true too. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely, I, I always enjoyed like Marge coming out and telling the audience that it was too scary <laughs> and they should go, you know, go watch something else. And then the one year they put on like the really, really old western that was just like yeah, a bunch right. of horses yeah. running into each other. Yep. Yeah, my favorite, and we did cover this in the first season, was the censor. That was uh, crossing out everything, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah. The, then the, the, the TV war- the rating warning started to stab him to death. That's that was that was a great opening. But anyway, okay, <laughs> we don't want to reveal everything. We might want to do this again. We'll end up talking about everything all in one episode. So, Terror at five and a half feet. Millhouse and Bart are on the school bus, and Millhouse is excited to show Bart the long-awaited Krusty the Clown trading cards eighth series edition. With great poses and cards like Krusty visits relatives in Annapolis, Maryland. Krusty poses for trading card photo. <laughs> and actually, like, I really like this because I kind of remember. I mean, the Star Trek trading cards were awesome, but by the time you got to like the fourth or fifth series, it was like 
it wasn't even so much that the pictures were bad as that the captions were just like Luke sits, you know, Han is tired. It's like the <laughs> caption they just they completely ran out of steam on how to right, caption those right. cards. I, I think you said Star Trek. You did. did. I? Oh. Well, luckily this isn't a Stargate series that people <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, you just know that they spent, that writer's room in The Simpsons spent at least a day trying to figure out the funniest town for Krusty to visit relatives in. (laughs) That's true, right? Yeah. And it it couldn't reference the, uh, I don't know if this was before or after, but it couldn't reference the clown college where he had funny town names because they didn't want to duplicate that joke. Yeah, and they couldn't do like Ogdenville or any of the actual town names that we already know. And, you know, like they would have done something because there's your classic funny town names like Poughkeepsie and Schenectady and, <laughs> and uh, you know, Kalamazoo and all that stuff. But like, okay, we're not going to go there. We're going to go something even more boring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Annapolis, Maryland, which I, with Maryland being a neighboring state to where we all grew up, I seriously doubt I've ever been there. At best, maybe I've been through it. Yeah. The only so, thing I know about it is there's like some sort of military thing, like the Navy's oh, gotcha. base there or something. <laughs> yeah. So s- there's a sudden uh, sound, and the bus shakes a bit, and we see from the outside perspective that one of the rear wheels falls off. The bus starts swinging side to side. Auto tries to keep control of everything, but the bus starts to careen right in the path of a speeding semi-truck. Just before they hit, Bart wakes up screaming in bed. And he kind of checks his clothes in his sheets and makes a little mention. He hopes that this is sweat. And then he heads down for breakfast. Now, Lisa asks what's wrong. And Bart says very solemnly with wide eyes. I just had a vision of my own horrible, fiery death. And? <laughs> Which is like so reverse. It's like that's what Bart should be saying to Lisa. Right. right. So just as Marge gets Bart to relax and tells him that the scary part is over, we hear this loud horn. Marge, look at all this great stuff I found at the marina. It was just sitting in some guy's boat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And again, this could be any episode of The Simpsons. It didn't need to be Halloween for that to be a good Homer line. Right. Yep. So now breakfast is over. Lisa and Bart board the bus. It's raining. Bart takes his first steps onto the bus and he gasps because Principal Skinner's there with his little bag lunch, which was a nice little touch. And Skinner explains he's riding the bus to school because mother hid his keys to punish him for talking to another woman on the phone. And she was right to do so. It just reminds me in our episode uh, a couple weeks back talking about Freaks No Geeks, uh, Derek mentioned about how spineless Skinner was and he was the spineless man. Mm-hmm. Made me think of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see that. I could see that. Absolutely. Yep. Then Lisa does that. This is this is just oh, just so uncomfortable. Lisa tries to plea with all the other kids on the bus saying that. Excuse me. Bart's a little upset this morning. So could everyone please be extra nice to him? <laughs> hey, where's your diaper, baby? Oh, I just was so uncomfortable for Bart after that. But then you get this gag of Martin in complete relief because he decided to and knowingly i might add wear a wang computer shirt to school that day <laughs> i know i think, <laughs> it's funny I think we're like the three people that would laugh at a wang computer's <laughs> yeah. t-shirt for the computer aspect of it right right and the fact is like 
if he hit, so this came out in what, like the early nineties or something. Ninety two. Yep. Yeah. Wine computers had been defunct for at least ten years before. Yeah. Really? That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that shirt is a collector's <laughs> item, even at that time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So the bus rolls on. Again, like I said, it was raining, thunder and lightning, setting the whole mood. Bart looks out the window, and this small gray creature jumps up on the side of the bus and starts to just, well, not completely, but takes its two claws and tears two big holes in the metal of the side of the bus. Bart tries to get Milhouse to look out the window. No way, Bart. If I lean over, I leave myself open to wedgies, wet willies, or even the dreaded rear admiral. Which I did not look up. Does anyone know what a rear admiral is? <laughs> no, I think it's funnier if we just leave it to That's why I didn't look it up. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, why I didn't look it up. Let's just imagine it. Yep. And I know for a fact Conan O'Brien wrote a, was a writer on this episode. For some reason, that line makes me think Conan O'Brien solely wrote that line. I don't know why. It just <laughs> sounds, sounds like, like his him. his delivery. Sure. Yeah. So Bart runs auto saying, "You got to do something." There's a gremlin on the side of the bus, and I think the best joke in this whole segment <laughs> is Otto looks out the window, and lo and behold, there's Hans Mole Man driving a 1970s green AMC Gremlin. <laughs> yeah, and and like and then. It just, they just pile on the jokes after yeah, this. Yeah, they it's do. Great. And so Otto says, no pro, no problemo, Bart dude, and I'll get rid of him. And he slams, he drives the bus, slamming it into the car. Hans loses control and is then the, as excited as he gets, oh, no, I just made my last payment. And then it goes off the road and it taps a tree and it explodes. Yeah, I, it but I, I almost I was waiting for it to tap the like a sound that it tapped the tree oh, right. like but like it, the ding in in top top uh, secret, top secret yeah. right <laughs> yeah. and I'm like it didn't even make a sound like it didn't right. even touch it enough to make a sound and it exploded. <laughs> now the gremlins have a propensity to explode. I know the Pintos did. No, I mean the gremlins were just bad. All AMC yeah, they were just bad just cars. Shit car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, but I don't the, think I don't, they had the uh, the history of the Pinto. Right. Yeah. Second, I wouldn't say second. It's one of the two greatest gremlin appearances in pop culture: The Simpsons and Wayne's World. Right. Yeah. So Bart Probably, possibly the only two appearances. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, only best yeah. tomato, tomato. So Bart looks out the window, and the gremlin continues to tear Bart the, apart the bus. Now he's working on the rear tail lights and the wiring. He's digging in there, pulling it all out. Let's see, Bart yells that there is a monster on the side of the bus, and the kids scream, and they all run over to take a look, and <laughs> they look, there's nothing there, and then we get, and I totally forgot this even happened when I picked this, we get this Kang and Kodos cameo, and they right. Foolish earthlings, frightened of a creature that does not exist. <laughs> Then they stop because there's a gremlin on the side of their ship and it starts tearing it apart. I I totally, (laughs) totally forgot about all this and I loved it. I love seeing it again. And I almost thought when I was watching that today, I was like, wait a second. So the gremlin has disappeared from the bus and now there's one on the ship. Is it the same one? Did he just suddenly jump up into space? (laughs) I actually, I I had the the mental debate for a moment um, and I decided in the end that it was a second gremlin. It's his sister. Yeah, right. It's his sister. (laughs) He uh, needed like a little... uh, Space bubble helmet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so now Skinner pipes up and says in the most 
public educational way possible. Now, I've gotten word that a child is using his imagination, and I've come to put a stop to it. Which is... Mm. <laughs> I, every time they poke fun at the school system stifling kids' creativity, which they always do with Skinner through Bart, is makes me, makes me and laugh. Lisa and Lisa, too. a little sad. And Lisa, yeah. Yep. He's got that button under his desk. Yeah. <laughs> and Independent then, thought alarm. Yeah. And then he pulls down a shade that seems to be only on this window and only on that bus. The right. single what is shade. This, an airplane? Yeah, right. <laughs> now, I know this leads into a reenactment from the original and the remake. I mean, it's where Bart struggles to not open the window and not look, which, is, which has happened in both versions of this that is paradising. So I get why they're doing it. But again, when you're watching these things, scene by scene and making notes, you're like, wait a minute. None of the other windows have a shade. It just stood out this time. So, yeah, Bart- that was some classic Shatner in this. Scene. <laughs> it was, yeah. So Bart loses this internal struggle and he lifts the window and he screams. But it's not because of the gremlins. It's because groundkeeper Willie is, on the, is outside the bus looking in. And Willie boards the bus and he explains, My mule wouldn't walk in the mud, so I had to put 17 bullets in him. <laughs> I love that. The way Willie but, deals but with But he kept the bridle with him. Yeah, right. Well, of course. The way he deals with problems is just is great. Uh, so Bart pleads with Milhouse, asking, you must believe me, but Milhouse is getting a little creeped up, and he decides to go sit with the foreign exchange kid. And it's stu- this foreign exchange student, of course, is Uter. But it dawned on me as like foreign that foreign exchange kid. He didn't name him by name. I looked up. This is the very first per- appearance of Uter on The Simpsons. Oh, oh wow! How about that? Yes, and it starts and it starts right off with a long reign of fat kid candy jokes that will follow him <laughs> throughout the rest yeah. of his appearances. And German candy jokes at <laughs> that. That's great. It's the German, the weird ass European candy that he's eating. Right. Do not That's chase funny me. That- I am full of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> That a, a long running, you know, not regular, but repeating character started in a non canon episode. Yeah, That's right. Great. You're right. Yep. Yep. And I love that little bag of treats he has. It has mitt iodine. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. So Bart continues to look out the window. The gremlin continues to dismantle the bus. Now he's starting to work on the wheel bolts. And Bart screams, He's taking off the wheels. We're all going to die. And then in a very aggressive maneuver, Skinner, like, throws a chokehold on him, it looks like. I don't know what they were trying to animate here, but it looks like he's put him in a sleeper hold, like a uh, Brutus of Beefcake sleeper hold. <laughs> it was different times in the early yeah, 90s. Right, yeah. <laughs> Willie offers the bridle that Dave mentioned earlier he brought with him to tie him up, which Skinner does. And we kind of have like a crossfade to for show a passage of time. And now we see Bart sitting with Uter. And Uter offers him. Would you like another lick of my flavor bug? <laughs> Which is, it looks like a can, a green candy cane. But the name of it and then Bart taking a look and the look, a lick and the look on his face is like, all you need to know, it's another weird ass German candy. Yeah, it's probably like ham and mayonnaise flavored or something. <laughs> yeah. Mitt iodine. <laughs> and now and his part says now that we're friends how about loosening my straps and Uter agrees yes das is good and he unties him bart reaches for the box of emergency flares which are gone because jimbo is in the midst of having already lit them and stuffing them in the back of martin's shorts bart takes one of them the second falls out 
Bart actually comes back in the frame to pick up the second one and put it back in Martin Shorts, which I thought was a, a funny little yeah, bit. Yeah. No sense ruining a good gag. <laughs> Not at yeah. all, right? And then he opens a window, and this is one of those little details where it, it probably the story element fed into my, you know, the, what I was viewing, and I probably understood what was going on. But again, making the notes, I didn't realize directly that when he opens a window, they are paradising, depressurizing the bus. I, it's one of those right. details that escaped me for a while, and then in this viewing, I was like, oh, that's actually really funny. They're really taking the plane parody all the way to the nth degree on this one. Yeah, it was pretty chaotic. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Otto's moving at 500 miles an hour or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, window open, Bart tries to swing the flare at the gremlin. Uh, in, the midst of all, <laughs> in the midst of all this chaos, Homer drives up, still wearing the life jacket. Hey, boy. I just love this little like, interstitial joke in the midst of all this chaos, this callback. Yeah, whenever there's like a, an instance where Homer just appears out of context to one of the kids or something, I love that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like like when, he, when, he, uh, when he gets in the Stonecutters episode, when he all of a sudden he's got the parking space at work, <laughs> yeah. which is right behind their house, and he yep. has to rollerblade all the way in. <laughs> yeah. So, Willie and Skinner are trying to pull Bart back in, and I didn't write this down, but I remembered it. I remember Skinner saying, pull Willie, and Willie says, I am, you pull, I think he says, you blouse-wearing poodle walker. I think that's what the insult he calls him. Uh, all right. That sounds about right. <laughs> that sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> but before they, they, they actually do get him in, but just before he does, Bart gives one last throw of the flare, and he hits the gremlin, and the gremlin falls off the bus. He rolls down the street, and he bounces off Flanders' windshield. Flanders stops panicking. He jumps out, sees it, grabs his sweater, wraps up the gremlin up in it, and picks him up, and the gremlin swipes at him, and Flanders says very heartfelt line of, Oh, isn't that cute? He's trying to claw my eyes out. So then he, <laughs> then he hugs the thing, cuddles it, and then drives off with them. Now we get back to school, and everyone finally sees that the bus has been torn apart. And Skinner taps like the one last bolt that's sticking out and the wheel falls off and the, the bus crashes down to the ground. And Bart is being wheeled by in a gurney in a straitjacket saying, look at the bus. I was right. I tell you, I was right. And Skinner, ever the consummate public school facility member, says, right or wrong, your behavior was still disruptive, young man. Perhaps spending the remainder of your life in a madhouse will teach you some manners. His whole uh, life. Yeah. <laughs> All because of a bus incident. Uh, and as Bart, he's carted away in the new Bedlam Mental Hospital ambulance, no less. He's content that he's safe. He says he can finally get some rest. And that's until the gremlin pops up at the back window, holding Flanders' severed head with, with a good portion of the spine still attached. And you get this zombie, not zombie-esque, but this like dying breath, hi ho Bart, from Flanders. <laughs> and Bart screams, and that's the end of this. And I I knew I liked this because I, I had I'd scanned through it and picked it saying, oh, man, I forgot how much I like this. I really forget how much I like this until this viewing and talking about it. This is a great parody, and it's a fun segment. This, the Skinner and Willie appearances are great. The long, long candy and fat kids string of jokes that start here with Uter was a nice little surprise. I didn't know that going into this. There's... I don't think there's a thing about this I don't like. The gremlin bit uh, and the car. I'm talking about the, the creature and the car. This is a great segment. I give this a five out of five. 
Wow. All right. Um, yeah, this is a pretty good segment. It was uh, there's there's a lot of good bits in it. Uh, I give it a four. Okay. Um, I I just nothing. I can't really say that it was bad in any way. I just didn't. It doesn't quite make it a five for me compared to some of the other ones. Uh, one one thing I did love was in the opening segment where Bart's dreaming on the bus uh, when Millhouse is <laughs> he's going through the. the the crusty cards and then he gets to the gum and he puts it in his oh, mouth right, and it yeah. slices up his just that just brought it back because i you know i i collected those star wars cards as well and for a little while baseball cards until i my brain developed enough that i got out of sports um <laughs> but that gum that comes with trading cards is always just basically like a gigantic razor blade yeah <laughs> i don't know what they make it out of star wars cards what are those yeah i still have mine <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. Nice. I got I got uh oh, yeah, like like all three movies or at least the first two. Cool. All right, what about you, Derek? Um I am was really surprised that we didn't pick this in the first iteration of Podcast of Horrors. I think we've said that for a few things and I'll say that for my next one too, but it's definitely one of those early episodes that just works. The formula of the early episodes were so much better where you know, they were they had a, a clear cut story and they ended well and there wasn't any, you know, weird goofy shit at the end. I really enjoyed this one and I, I had to go back and watch it a couple of times just to prep for this. And I found myself laughing a lot and, you know, it was always one of those like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That one. And then I, yeah. After rewatching it, I was like, Oh, that really was funny. Um, I would go with a four. My, I think my favorite part had to be Flanders at the end though. When yeah. he's holding his head up, you know, I, I could still picture that scene. Yeah, that that's <laughs> I actually forgot about that ending as well. I just I knew where it was going and I stopped. So that was a nice little surprise as well. So, yeah, good, good uh, surprisingly good episode and segment. And again, I agree with Derek as well. Surprised we didn't talk about it before, but glad we talked about it here. But we're not done. So, Derek, you're up next. What segment do you have for your free pick on this final episode? I took from Treehouse of Horror 7, which was season 8, I took The Thing and I, which is another one that I'm kind of surprised we didn't do the first round. The Thing and I uh, starts out with a really, you know, really basic view of the house at night, and you see, like, the blood letters come down that just say The Thing and I. You're hearing noises up in the attic, and Bart and Lisa both come out of their room. They're like, did you hear that? What was that? Did you hear something? And Bart goes, do you think it's the cat? And Lisa, Lisa goes, no, 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 the cat's in here with me. And you see poor little Snowball come out with a bonnet on her head and mitten, uh, kitten mittens. And yes. No, nothing I mean, is funnier to me than kitten mittens, especially in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Does your cat make <laughs> too much noise? noise? And I know my cat, and I know Matt has two cats. And uh, trying, the My idea, wife has two cats. Oh. I just live with them. <laughs> uh, the idea of putting a hat and or yeah. mittens on them is like, you have a death wish? Yeah, right. Exactly. They, they look up, and they can hear all this mumbling noise coming from the attic, uh, and they're just spooked. The next morning at breakfast, Bart asks what those noises were, and Homer just laughs it off and then says, Oh, that's silly. <laughs> Seriously, though, don't ever go up there. <laughs> you know, Marge reminds him that it's time to, you know, 
Uh, and Homer goes, yeah, yeah, I'll go feed it. Uh, he pulls a fish, a bucket of fish heads out of the fridge and starts singing fish heads, fish heads, <laughs> la, 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 which is funny. I haven't heard that song in forever. Right. So you, you take the tour with Homer as he walks up the stairs into the attic with the pull down and you just see the kids heads following him as he's going up the stairs and around the corners. So they're spying on him to see what's going on. Homer goes up in the attic with the bucket and you hear some, some eating noises and some grunting noises. And then you just kind of hear Homer do his, you know, (laughs) you know, like something grossed him out. Cut to that evening and Bart's in bed and he's tossing and turning. He can't sleep. And he looks up, and the thing that's in the attic is watching him from the air vents, and then scurries off. The next morning, the kids hound Homer. They're like, you know, what what's going on? What is in the attic? What is in the attic? And Homer just looks at them and says, No more questions. I worked my butt off to feed you four kids, and all you do it. What? Three? We have three kids, Homer. Yeah, three nosy kids. That's and, and, one of those rare good Marge lines. I usually yeah. don't like note a Marge line, but that one's good. The way she delivered that is great. Yeah, yeah. Like don't don't blow it. Don't yep. don't ruin the the secret. And Homer fires back with, "Yes, we have three nosy kids." <laughs> and do you know what happens to kids who ask too many questions? To which both of the children leap from their chair and jump on Homer and start asking him. No, what happened? That's really good too. Yeah, it, it reminded me of um, when they wanted to go to Krusty Land or Itchy and Scratchy Land, and they just kept oh, yeah. asking and asking and asking and asking until Homer finally snapped. Yep. So, so that night, Marge and Homer are out of the house. And the kids decide that it, this it's time to investigate. Let's find out what's going on up there. So Bart puts Lisa on his shoulders and Maggie on her shoulders, and you just see Maggie's little arms dangling to grab the the ball for the for the attic door. Uh, they pull down the door the door, and you just see Maggie pop up with a lantern because Bart's using Maggie as the lantern holder, and they start panning around the attic looking for whatever those noises were. And that attic is insanely large. It's like a gymnasium up there. <laughs> I, I had that in my notes, especially when you see the lightning strike with the windows. You know, I mean, if you look yeah. at the outside of the house, it looks like there's like one little minor window in, right. the, in the attic. And here there's like grand mansion, you know, like plantation style mansion windows in this house. But as they're panning around, you see a couple of familiar things. You see a painting of Ringo that March did oh nice <laughs> uh, you see the mary worth phone nice. uh, you see a box marked the b sharps oh wow <laughs> uh, you see leftover lisa lionheart dolls oh, and, man. and you see an i didn't do it t-shirt from when bart was on the crusty show <laughs> they stumble across a box of unsold copies of homer's autobiography That's, homer i hardly knew me i love that yeah. <laughs> the fact that he even wrote one is amazing I wish they would put that out. Like, there's a yep. lot of really fun Simpsons books that are out there. I think that would be a great one. I agree. Yeah. Just do it from the per- uh, perspective of Homer writing his own autobiography. It'd be great. The amount of giant fishes that he has caught in over the years. <laughs> so there's a noise, and Lisa turns around and sees the a shadowy figure chained to the wall that breaks loose and runs off. And the shadowy figure slowly starts to creep up on them. Uh, and chases them out of the basement. 
they cut to the living room where you see three vases of different sizes, big, medium, small. Hey, do you think it's safe? I don't care. I can't breathe in here. <laughs> and they pop out of the closet door next to the three vases, which I thought was a pretty good gag. You know? Yeah, I, sure. I like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. The second they pop out, of course, Marge and Homer come walking in the house. It had been pouring rain. There's lightning. You know, it's a horror show. So, of course, it's got to be a storm. And Homer looks at Marge and says, Hey, Marge, who needs a car wash when you can just drive around in the rain? (laughs) (laughs) That was their night out. Yes. (laughs) That, That totally seems like, you know, a Homer genius idea. The kids tell the parents that they found something in the attic, and Marge yells at them for going up there and says, I'm both, I'm very disappointed and terrified. <laughs> Mar- uh, Homer heads up to the attic, followed by the family, uh, to see what's going on. And he sees that the thing has escaped, and they hear it scurry out down the stairs, and then the front door swings open, and you see the four claw marks on the door from where the thing clearly ran past the door. Marge picks up the phone and calls Hibbard and says, uh, Yes, Doctor. It's what we've always feared. It's loose. Hugo is loose. See you soon. (laughs) (laughs) You know, oh, God, the worst is coming. But then a happy little ending. Bart stops Marge and says, you know, who or what is Hugo? And Marge says, well, Bart, you had a brother. And Lisa jumps in and goes, so I had two brothers? And at this point, Homer literally pushes Lisa out of the way and goes, Yes, Bart, you had a brother, a twin brother, which seemed a little weird. (laughs) Homer tells Bart that there were some irregularities, and suddenly Hibbard is standing in their house and goes, A monstrous irregularity. Ah! I'm not entirely sure how Hibbard got in the house since they were standing in front of the front (laughs) door and how he got there that quickly. True. But they only have seven minutes for these segments. Right. <laughs> yep. So logic out the window. Right. Uh, Hum, uh, Hibbert tells Bart that uh, he and Hugo are Siamese twins. Lisa, ever vigilant, says, I believe they prefer to be called conjoined twins, to which Hibbert replies, And hillbillies prefer to be called sons of the soil. But it ain't going to happen. <laughs> right. Love that line. Yeah, yeah. It's a great one. The Hibbert's deliveries in this is great. He says that one of the twins is pure evil. And uh, you get a classic flashback to Marge having uh, giving birth. Uh, in this in- incarnation, Hibbard has an afro. Um, yeah. I-, I personally liked it better when he had the Mr. T haircut. But, <laughs> I forgot yeah. about that. Well, like every kid, he's got a different hairstyle. Right. So Hibbard turns around and he's got the two babies, the two baby Barts, Bart and Hugo, conjoined. And uh, the baby on the left just starts biting the shit out of the baby on the right. I don't know how he had teeth, but he had teeth. And Marge looks and goes, I I think I'm going to bottle feed that one. (laughs) They perform a routine soul smear, and it turns black. And they're like, yep, pure evil. Kids got pure evil in them. And the kids needed to be, they said that the twins needed to be separated immediately. And this was, I thought, a great sight gag. Yes. He says, the twins need to be separated immediately. And you see Hibbard slice down with a paper cutter. Yep. And it was just because he was slicing op- uh, slicing in half two copies of the consent form. Yeah. Right. That was great. So he slices up the two copies of the consent form. Uh, so if you, got, you both got to sign this. And the surgery was a su- success. But they didn't know what to do with Hugo. And they said, you know, he's too crazy for Boys Town, but he's 
too much of a boy for Crazy Town. <laughs> so they decided to do the only humane thing. We chained Hugo up in the attic like an animal and fed him a bucket of fish heads once a week. It saved our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> I love the, the this reference to Boys Town. I mean, mm-hmm. I barely have heard of Boys Town. Like, people seeing this anytime after when it when it aired is just like, who, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boys, you know, you barely hear about Boys and Girls Club anymore, let alone Boys Town. Right. Yeah. So Bart claims that this is baloney, that, you know, if this was true, wouldn't he have a hideous scar? And of course, that's when he lifts his shirt up for the first time in his entire life and sees a hideous <laughs> scar. Yeah. This goes back to what we were talking about before about how all these Halloween ep- episodes involve some glaringly obvious thing that nobody has noticed before yes yeah. right yeah the cannon goes right out the window yeah. uh unless you're uter yeah <laughs> so he's you know he sees the scar and they're like okay well we've got to find hugo because obviously he's running amok and god only knows what he's gonna do now did you notice when bart did this when the camera's facing bart he lifts the right side of his shirt to show the scar Mm-hmm. Then when the camera reverses, he's holding up the left side of his shirt. Right. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot well, of problems because yeah, his scar comes and goes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, right, it, yeah, there's right. a lot of inconsistency with this one because oh, I've watched this one a few times for this, yeah. just for this. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, eh, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're paying I, didn't, those, I, didn't, I didn't give too much. Yeah, too much to it. But yes, <laughs> they're paying those animators like pennies on <laughs> pennies on the dollar. Right. True. So they... They begin the search, and Homer says, we have to check for every place where a sick, twisted, solidarity misfit... Uh, uh, yeah. Tw- sick, twisted, so- solidarity misfit might go to hide. And, of course, Lisa's first reaction is, I'll start with Radio Shack. That's the line. That's the yeah. line for me in this oh, episode. Yeah. I love <laughs> yeah. the dig at Radio Shack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which wouldn't play now. Probably wouldn't have played in, like, the last five years. <laughs> but then, yeah, that's where, you go get your, that's where you go get your radio parts for your remote control cars. Yep. I, mean, that's- I don't know what it says about my town, but after Radio Shack had their big closing, when they closed, like, 75% of all the stores, I still had two within walking distance. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're both gone now, but they were there for a while. Wow. <laughs> there was a circuit city between the two of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Homer tells Bart, and this is one of my favorite lines just because it, it just cracks me up. Bart, you stay home and tape the hockey game. <laughs> yeah. So everyone leaves and Bart starts locking all the doors in a panic and he starts hearing stuff coming from the dining room. And it's Hugo. Hugo has never actually left. He kind of just skirted them and, and then hid. Hugo tells Bart that... Uh, He's he's got a plan, and there's going to be a surgery. And he's like, what are you talking about? And then, boom, all of a sudden, you're back up in the attic. Bart's laid out on a table with his arms and his legs bound and no shirt on. And Hugo's standing over him with a ball of uh, twine and a needle. Bart says to Hugo that he's crazy. And Hugo says, am I? Well, perhaps we're all a little crazy. I know I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he tells Bart that he went mad after the separation and that he's going to sew them back together because that's the only way to get sane, which I guess if you've been trapped in an attic for the last, you know, 10 years, that, that's some logic. Sure. Yeah, you know, an attic with more floor space than the rest of the house put together, right. but okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. So uh, Bart says that they'll they'll end up both being dead, and, and he goes, no, 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 I've been practicing, and he lifts up a box that has a pigeon rat in it, so it's a pigeon you know, sewn to a rat, which 
promptly flies into a wall and then can't get through the mouse hole in the wall. That's a great little sequence of the flying and then hitting the floor and then running into the wall. Yeah. That's great. So he's getting ready. He's standing over him. He's about to sew him up. And and you hear Hibbard from behind telling Hugo to stop. He says, you know, you've probably never even seen your face before. You've been trapped up here so long. And he grabs a picture frame, holds it up for Hugo to look at his face, and then, boom, pops him right in the jaw, right through the picture frame. Which, you know, he's punching a kid. Kind of seems wrong, but you know, Halloween episode. That's, we'll let it slide. That's eight years of medical school, right there. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's that one psych class he took. Yeah. So Hibbert punches him in the face. The family finally shows up in the attic, and Homer yells, "We think we saw Hugo at the airport. He was boarding a plane to Switzerland." It- oh. Uh, Hibbert makes reference to the fact that it's the left or sinister twin that was the evil one, which flashes me back to. Uh, Flanders opening the leftorium. Leftorium. <laughs> then all of a sudden, Hibbert goes, wait a minute, and sees that Hugo's scar is on the wrong side, which means, and as he's saying this, all the family turns and looks at Bart, and he goes, that means the evil twin is, and always has been, Bart. Oh, don't look so shocked. Which is the best way to just wrap up that little sequence right there. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like... It's like you knew it was coming. Yep. You know, so they go, okay, well, we know how to make this right. And they cut to Hibbard cutting the family turkey in their living room for some reason. And he and you see the family all sitting at the table, but instead of Bart, you see Hugo. And they give Hugo the drumstick, and he inhales it. And as he's inhaling it, he also starts eating his napkin. And Lisa's <laughs> like, Mom, Bart, uh, Hugo's eating his napkin. And the whole family chuckles. Ha, 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 ha. And they pan up to the vents where you see Bart hiding up in the vents because now he lives in the attic. And he's like, hey, uh, can I have some turkey? And Marge walks up to the vent and goes, you eat your fish heads and then we'll talk. Closes the vent. Screen goes black. Yep. And that's that's the end of this one. I really like this one. Uh, like I said at the beginning, I was surprised that we didn't do it last time. But we had so many good ones last time that, you know, some were bound to slip through the cracks. You know, it was... Season eight, so it was still early enough that they weren't, you know, getting into these, you know, stereotypes of, you know, movie reboots and and really cheesy things. It, this one was kind of scary and had a lot of humor in it. And I, I love when you get dumb Homer. You know, dumb Homer <laughs> in an episode is always great. And, you know, the, the interaction between him and Marge about how many kids they had make me laugh a lot. So uh, I would go with a three and a half on this. All right. All right, so yeah, I <clears throat> I like this one as well. Uh, I probably would have picked this uh, if you hadn't. Um, it's it's good. There's there's a lot of fun stuff, and uh, I, I give it a four. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, I really like this too. I, there's a lot of great classic jokes in here. I like the uh, three vases visual, the Radio Shack joke, the pigeon rat, and how they just kind of wrapped up like thing that could have gone on. Longer than it needed to, with Bart just going, don't look so shocked and putting an end right to that. I, I yeah. enjoyed this, too. I gave it a four and a half. I I really like this one. Cool. All right. Well, that leads to the last segment of the episode and the season, and it is all in your hands, Dave. So what do we have? All right. So my choice, my final choice is Life's a Glitch and Then You Die from Treehouse of Horror 10, season 11, episode four. Um 
I picked this one mainly because it, it kind of has a personal touch to me. It has <laughs> to do with the Y2K bug, which I spent a couple of years working on in my various jobs at various tech companies. So uh, personally, I am, you know, partly responsible for the world not going to <laughs> shit when Thank the year 2000 that. happened. Thanks. As, yes. as it happens, I spent that New Year's Eve in Australia, so I <laughs> figured I'd be pretty safe from the rest of the world. <laughs> but uh, the opening to this episode is is kind of funny. So there's, it's like a sort of variety show starring Kang and Kodos, and this is like this is the tenth anniversary of Chaos mm -hmm. of Horror, so they're making a big deal about it. And uh, Kang and Kodos are doing this sort of you know scripted banter on stage that is awful, like you'd get at the op Oscars or <laughs> yeah. whatever. And they keep cutting to the audience that is just sitting there stone-faced but you hear a laugh track and uh and then you finally you cut to uh the simpsons watching it on tv and uh lisa asks what what does this have to do with, what do aliens have to do with halloween and but it but it's great because it, the whole family is references to previous tree houses of horror homer's <laughs> nice homer's still the jack-in-the-box from when bart had all the powers uh -huh. maggie's the witch from that episode uh I'm sorry, Marge is the witch from that episode. Maggie's the half-alien from when Marge slept with the Kang or Kodos. <laughs> uh, Bart's got the fly head. And Lisa just has an axe in her head. And I don't know if that's one if that's from something. I didn't recognize that off the top of my head. Maybe that goes back to uh, Willie getting killed with the axes every time. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. So the actual segment starts with uh, it's New Year's Eve, and uh, Dick Clark is hosting the 1999 New Year's Eve, you know, rockin' whatever uh he, doing it from springfield this time not right. from new york and, and the opening gag is great because the band some band finishes playing a song and he's like this is dick clark rocking down to the year 2000 and that was white snake we're not white snake dude we're poison i thought we were quiet riot it says here we're rat. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it almost looks like the, the character models they use were left over from when um, Spinal Tap made an appearance on the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. One of them was definitely Derek Smalls. Right, yeah. So then uh, Grandpa gets on his high horse and he's like, what a lousy thousand years. We had blimp wrecks, <laughs> teenagers. Teenagers. <laughs> that kills me. That is great. Uh, and then he turns around. He's like, oh, then again, we had two shows with Andy Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> and Marge chimes in and 11 with Robert Yorick, which <laughs> yeah. that's probably true. Probably. probably. Uh, I don't know if that's good news or bad news. Right. So uh, Rick James, the next the next act up on, on uh, Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year's Eve is Rick James. And as he finishes his song, he gets arrested and he just says, not again or something like that. Yeah, what I do now? Yeah. Uh, so then the, we're, there's like a news thing or something about how people worked a lot of, uh, hours to fix all the Y2K bugs and, and, uh, Lenny and Carl are like, Oh, Homer was our Y2K compliance officer. You know, how, you know, how'd that go? And Homer's like, do what now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa says, uh, you did fix them, right dad? Because even a single faulty unit could corrupt every other computer in the world. That can't be true, honey. If it were, I'd be terrified. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that it line. says so much without saying it. I love yeah. it. So so now, of course, as they're counting down for the ball dropping, and there's a sort of glitch in the middle of it, and as the ball comes down, it switches from 1999 to 1900. Mm. And uh, it's a couple of things happen at the same time. <laughs> 
That's Homer Simpson's computer. Oh, God, it's spreading! I love that they identify it specifically. Yeah. That's Homer Simpson's desk. <laughs> That's Homer Simpson's <laughs> computer. Um, and then at that moment, uh, Dick Clark starts to melt because he's apparently a robot, which makes sense. Yeah. I love um, that guy. And it's, and it's great because it's like all of his skin melts off and he's this, you know, endoskeleton, like yeah. a Terminator thing. And then that just dissolves as well. I almost picked this for my... Uh my celebrity guest based on that alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the celebrity voices in this are the, the choices of them are interesting. Dick Clark <laughs> is great, but the other one that comes later is even more interesting. Yeah. So the next thing that happens is all the street lights blow out. And then for some reason, because there's no street lights, the cars all start running into each other. I guess they don't have headlights, whatever. Uh, the McDonald's sign flips over from like billions served to zero, zero. and everyone runs, runs out screaming for some reason. <laughs> uh, oh, the Space Needle. I don't know if this is the one in Seattle, but a Space Needle. Yes. <laughs> uh, starts spinning super fast and everyone's pinned up against the wall and the windows. Yeah. And then it just takes off like a UFO. Yeah. Uh, there's just I, so many visual gags in this one. I fully expected a Kangen Kodos appearance here like for that thing oh, to fly yeah, by right? their ship yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. see them going oh they've done it again yeah. <laughs> uh nelson is uh, photocopying his butt and the, he gets zapped inside the photocopier <laughs> yeah now he's under, the, under the glass uh and now my favorite i don't know why but this my favorite bit comes up so marge is looking out the kitchen window and these planes are just falling out of the sky straight down straight down as if yep. they had just like stopped all momentum forward momentum and just yeah. fell straight down and there's like there's like three of them on her lawn alone yeah. you know <laughs> there goes the clothesline yeah. <laughs> but the fact you know because i i was very deep into all this code and the fact that the planes would be affected so much so that they they stopped moving at all and just yeah. fell straight down this was that was uh, that's basically why i chose this episode <laughs> even physics would stop working if it's so bad yeah. homer yeah exactly homer um he he thinks it's all okay. well no he says that the 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 uh ivory tower uh scientists have uh, screwed us once again uh let's just have some milk and go to bed and he goes to pour the milk out of a carton and it just comes out <laughs> of three or four holes that suddenly appear because it has a computer chip in it and right at least it doesn't explain why there's a computer chip nope. in it. Just it, there is, and yeah. everything else has everything one. one. Everything has one, yes. Uh, so at that moment, all of the appliances in the kitchen start to uh, act up because of their computer chips, much like, I think this is a direct uh, Maximum Overdrive reference. Mm. Um, oh, I didn't the, uh, consider that, but yeah, you're probably right. The uh, ice ice machine in the fridge starts shooting ice yeah. cubes at Homer's face, so I think that was definitely the... Uh, I, I Yeah, this that or... Probably several others hidden in there. It never occurred to me, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Could <laughs> yeah. you count this as one of those Simpsons predicted it things? Because <laughs> now, now your uh, refrigerator can send you pictures of what's inside your refrigerator <laughs> right. when you're at the grocery store. True. Yeah, right. And like I saw, uh, my girlfriend was shopping for refrigerators in the last year or two, and we were at Home Depot, and there's like a Samsung one that has a whole big, like, gigantic touchscreen on the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. So, yeah. So we cut to the church because apparently Reverend Lovejoy is holding a <laughs> sermon a New Year's at Eve midnight sermon. on New Year's Eve. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I've heard of midnight on Christmas right. Eve, but uh, New Year's Eve? Sure. Judgment Day is upon us. I 
warned you the Lord wouldn't stand for your mini dresses and beetle boots. <laughs> I resisted these for 35 years. Why did I wear them today? Uh, yeah, so as soon as, you know, and, and Reverend Lovejoy's talking about how if we just do the Lord's bidding, he'll he'll be good to us. And uh, Chief Wiggum bursts in and is like, hey, everybody, let's go loot the mall. I already got <laughs> nine shoe buffers. <laughs> Which so is he, that went what, right, he, he went right to Brookstone. Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's the thing you see at Brookstone yeah. and Sky Mall. And yeah. it's like, who has this? <laughs> right. It's, a, it's like the people, the number of people that have shoe buffers are the same number of people that keep the shoe shine people at the airports in, in business. <laughs> You're right. Yep. <laughs> Homer, everyone runs out to go looting and Homer's trying to go, but but he's, he's like, oh, I'm stuck on something. But it's Marge holding his arms. Like, yeah, I want you to go looting. <laughs> but I was going to loot you a present. Oh, all right. so cut to he actually did loot her present you get to her lady remington which (laughs) comes to life and attacks her just kind of jabs at her throat right (laughs) which i thought the joke might have been that it it's completely ineffective like it's a it's a useless product but then as she brushes it away it 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 flies across the grass and just mows the grass as it's going Right. So um, they're walking around as everything, and I, I, I watched it again. There wasn't any real jokes in the background as they're walking past the stores. It's just various store names. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, so Lisa says, and there's a little cute little interaction here. Which Lisa says, "Wow, look at the wonders of the computer age now," very sarcastically. And Homer says, "Wonders, Lisa, or blunders?" <laughs> you know, thinking he's smart, and Lisa's right. like. Uh, I think that was implied by what I said. Right. <laughs> implied, Lisa, or implode? <laughs> Mom, make him stop. Which rem- reminds me of the uh, the crossover episode with the critic when uh, the the Jay Sherman character was uh, you know talking about uh, Sartre. Cam- Camus can do, but Sartre is smarter. Oh right! <laughs> and Homer comes in with. Uh, Oh, what was it? It's something about Scooby Doo can Scooby Doo can do, but but Jimmy Carter is smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at this point, the traffic lights are shooting lasers. I love that <laughs> because reasons because of Y two K because of reasons. <laughs> uh, they come upon Krusty, and he's he's spazzing out because his pacemaker is stuck on hummingbird, yeah. and he's like kind of flying. Um, and then he fi- he falls to the ground, and uh, they find a um, an invitation to a, you know to basically get off of the the Earth. There's like a rocket ship leaving, and they find his invitation, and they're leaving. And uh, Homer's like, <laughs> "Thank you, sweet clown. In death, you saved us all." I'm not dead. <laughs> this is a perfectly timed joke because. The length between him saying that and nothing happening, you're wondering why Why nothing. It gets to the point where you're like, man, that's a long bit of nothing. Then all of a sudden, I'm not dead. It was perfectly <laughs> timed. It was perfectly <laughs> timed. And then Homer's like, I can still hear his voice on the <laughs> wind. So they find the spaceship, and there's a, there's a soldier checking people in at the entrance to it. And the line of people, uh, they name a few of them. But I, I get, took my best guess as to who the rest of them were. So okay. from what I can tell, there's uh, a doctor and a nurse. Makes sense. Then there's Bill Gates and Ron Howard, for some reason. Uh, <laughs> then there's some old guy with a hammer. I don't know he was, who he was supposed to be. Odin. Uh, Odin? Yeah. Well, not, not that, quite that kind of hammer. Oh. Okay. Uh, then Stephen Hawking. 
and Mel Gibson, because yeah, yeah. why not? Paul McCartney and a guy that kind of looks like Frank Grimes, but not totally. <laughs> okay. So don't maybe he's a, somebody who I I don't remember. Uh, and then the guy that I think is the Klavkalash guy. <laughs> I didn't see him. That's all. Awesome. <laughs> uh, Michelle Kwan, the skater. A St. Louis Cardinals player. Uh, I think I it was Mark McGuire. That's the only one I recognize. There you go. All right. He had sort of reddish hair and a goatee, so yep. sure. Yep, that'd be Mark McGuire. All right. Uh, and Professor Frank. And then the Simpsons get in line behind Frank. Um, so they get to the front, and uh, Homer tries to bluff his way on, saying that he's the piano player from Shine. And he goes like, okay, but, but what's your name? <laughs> And I knew before, even I knew before he started saying it, even though I haven't seen this episode in a while, he says, Shiny McShine. So that doesn't work. Um, (laughs) But but, uh, Lisa introduces everybody and he's like, oh, Lisa, you're, yes, of course, Lisa Simpson, you're the ship's uh, proofreader, which is the perfect sort of menial yet detail-oriented job that Lisa would do. Yep. And uh, the soldier's like, Now, before you enter, you're going to have to make a very difficult choice. You're only allowed to take one parent with you. Mom. Speaking of perfectly (laughs) timed jokes. Yes. That one is as well. Right. So she pulls Marge. Of course, Marge is carrying Maggie. So that's a a freebie right there. Right. I guess so. I thought so, too. I was like, wait a minute. And And then here's the thing. She could sit in a luggage compartment. (laughs) They had taken uh crusty's ticket so i thought that was their ticket on but they never ended up using that like couldn't Homer oh, right. and yeah. use crusty's yeah. ticket? Uh, i don't know so uh the simpson women are getting into the uh lift to get onto the spaceship and marge says uh you know love you goodbye or whatever and homer's like always remember as i am right now filled with murderous rage <laughs> that's <laughs> such a good line <laughs> uh so then uh, Bart and Homer are walking along, and it's sort of like when um, that episode when the comet was going to st- – or the meteor was going to strike right. Springfield, yeah. and, and they all leave. They finally leave the, the safe house, um, and they're just walking along being peaceful with it. And Homer's like, well, at least we've both had a long and full life, and he looks at Bart. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but then they see another spaceship that's not guarded by anybody, so they, they jump on that one. And they're flying along. And here's where I haven't seen this one in a while before I watched it today. They, uh, they're flying. They end up flying right next to the other spaceship. When I thought, oh, shit, they're going to, like, hit it or somehow ruin, you know. Oh, right, <laughs> the, yeah. All the smart people. But that wasn't it. They're, like, flying along. And uh, they, look, they finally look around to see who's on the, on the rocket. It's like, oh, oh before that. Um, Homer's like, they're, they're, they're looking out the window at Earth. And there's a bunch of nuclear explosions going off. Because reasons. Uh, yeah. And he's like, I can't believe I destroyed the earth. And Bart's like, why are you still talking about the earth? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you're right. I got to let it go. All the counts is we're alive and rubbing elbows with the greats. And they look around to see who's with them. There's Ross Perot, Dr. Laura, Spike Lee. Wait a minute. They're not so great. Okay, but there's Dan Quayle and Courtney Love, Tanya Harding, Al Sharpton. Ah, Tom Arnold! What the hell's going on? Polly Shore and Rosie O'Donnell. And by this time, they're like, wait, th- th- this is, you know, this is not right. Who are these people? Uh, they realize they're heading into the sun and because it peels off from the other, which is, I don't know. We get into astrophysics some other time, but whatever. Um, <laughs> why, why, why were the two rockets going parallel for a right, while? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, 
So Rosie O'Donnell comes out and she starts leading them all in singing show tunes, Ugh. which is, I guess, the trolley song, which I'm not really familiar oh, with. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I know the song. It's probably a show tune. I don't know. Yeah, it's from, I don't know, Paint My Wagon or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they sang that in another episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, and here's where the other thing, so Tom Arnold did his own voice in yes. this. And he's made out to be a complete loser, which I love the fact that he did this. It's yeah, really me too. Good. He was, this was on my list for celebrity guest episode because of him. Mm. Totally. Yeah. And uh, and so they're singing, they're all singing this trolley song and Homer and Bart are freaking out because they can't stand it. And, and Bart's like, well, all right, it's only five minutes till we hit the sun. And Homer's like, can't wait that long. And he <laughs> jabs the eject button and they fly out into space and they're breathing a sigh of release of relief right before they both explode from decompression. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's pretty good. It's a pretty good episode. I it it speaks to me because of the Y2K thing, right? But uh, and there's a lot of good little bits. There wasn't a big laugh really, or it wasn't too many big laughs. So I ended up doing giving it a three and a half. Okay, uh, it's good, but uh, yeah. All right, um, I really enjoyed this one too. This is like I said, it was on one of my list to do. And I love the fact that the first season of Podcast of Horrors had no Ross Perot references, and this season had two <laughs> Ross Perot references. Nice. I think we Very covered true. them all now. Very true. <laughs> I do love the the celebrities they picked. It's it was just like this is so it, at the time everyone knows them, and they are at the tier of like, oh wow, this is this this is the anti uh, rescue human race rocket for sure. I gave it. A oh actually like I have one I have one line of Tom Arnold's I wrote that you didn't mention. He said, "I mean my shows weren't great, but I never tied people up and forced them to watch. And I could have because I'm a big guy and I'm good with knots." Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I gave it a four. I mean I'm sorry, three point seven five. I was gonna give it a four, wow. except for one thing. The only problem with it not being a four is that if you showed this to someone who's just discovered The Simpsons this year, they'd have no idea how funny that ending is. Right. They would hardly know anybody on here. Rosie O'Donnell, at best. Maybe Spike Lee. Well, if you showed it to a certain age group, they'd have no idea about 90% of this, exactly, this right. segment. Yep. What What's Y2K? Who was Dick Clark? Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. They wouldn't you even know. understand the premise of it. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, why didn't they just use their iPhones to call an Uber and leave? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. What do you say, Derek? Um, I, I like this one. It, it definitely wasn't one of my favorites, but I, like I said earlier, I, I would have picked it for celebrity just for Dick Clark because yeah. you know the the long standing joke that Dick Clark is a robot, and they finally you know they the Simpsons made the reference and watching him melt down and this isn't how it's supposed to happen was <laughs> it definitely made me laugh. Um, I think Ron Howard was on the ship so he could give a solo. Uh, they didn't, they didn't know better back then. Um, I, I enjoyed this one. It wasn't one of my favorites, but it was definitely really funny. Uh, I would give it a three. All right. Well, I think all in all, we had a pretty strong ending to this. This was this one. We had three really good ones that were a lot of fun to talk about. And that wraps up this season, which was, I'd say, four out of five shows fun because we did have that middle worst show 
our worst episode ever, and that was my fault. But <laughs> other than that, I had a it great. Was still fun. It was fun. Yeah, I, know. I, just, I would. I would do another worst episode ever episode. I'm just, I'm just driving There's that concept in the ground. Oh yeah, seriously. Yeah. No, no. I'm just driving that the concept into the ground. So that's a joke <laughs> for the concept. So I want to thank. Dave and Derek, both of you, for joining me this year. It was great doing this with both of you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe when we do it again and Karen's all married and settled and in her her new life, maybe all four of us can can revisit it. We'll see you next year. Sweet. Yeah, it'd be cool. So uh, one last thing to do, of course. Thank everyone for listening. This is released on Halloween, as you may already know, or maybe you're hearing it after. But if you're listening to it as a release, happy Halloween, everybody. This wraps up our Halloween celebration at Neozaz, which has been our biggest one ever. And I'm really proud of the work we did. Proud to have this series back again. And really happy to have the feedback we've gotten this year. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for the feedback you gave. One more time, let me say happy Halloween. And I'll see you in our next Halloween series of specials. <laughs>